0: Morning, everyone. We are trying a new microphone on me today, so we'll see how this works. I'm not even sure how to wear it, but it's right here. And so, um, there's a last time we used a microphone similar to this here a few months ago, and uh, people said they heard me better than they've ever heard me before, so hopefully that's the case. Um, maybe I'll speak a little clearer as well, and we'll all, it'll be good for everybody. But welcome, everybody. It's good to, good to see everybody. It's another wonderful Lord's Day. And excited, I'm excited to see how God's going to continue to work among us today. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, so you can go ahead and turn there. The last while, uh, since September, we've been we started way back in Genesis, and we've been talking about God's love story. How has God interacted with mankind from the beginning? And we talked about Adam and Eve and how they sinned, and uh, as after that, there's mankind just embrace that sin, and it gets worse and worse as we go along. But God continues to reach out to people, like he did with Moses, and said, hey, I've got all these people down in Egypt, I want you to bring them out. And Moses says, okay, sure, God, all right, finally. That's basically how uh, his leadership call went. And Moses goes down, and through some powerful miracles, he brings them out. And the people of Israel settle in a land that was called Canaan before And God works through them and and tries to teach them, this is the type of God I am. This is how I want you to worship me. And long story short, it doesn't go awesome. There's times of great spiritual revival where people's hearts are turned towards God and God blesses them greatly. But more often than not, like you and I, people are led astray by all sorts of different things that we can latch on to, whatever's convenient, whatever's easy at the moment, whatever looks good. We jump into that and we go for it. And God is continually bringing people back, saying, no, that's not the way I want you to be. That's not the God that I am. I'm not about human sacrifices. I'm not about you putting all your efforts into all these other things. I want you to love me with all your heart and soul, mind and strength, and watch what happens. And as the Israelites become more and more evil, he sends them into slavery. In the last weeks, we spent some time talking about the prophets that cried out, on behalf of God, saying, people, you can't go down this road. You've got to give your lives to God. You've got to come back. And uh, God, in His great mercy, provides a second exodus, and the people come back, and they uh, settle in uh, the land of Canaan again. They rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple. They start worshiping God there again. They start taking the law of God seriously. But as we see from Malachi we talked about last time, just because they've been able to come back, And just because the Israelites have put away idolatry, it doesn't mean that life is awesome or it goes great or that everybody is living in this wonderful utopian place. There's still sin and there's still shortcomings and there's still difficulties, and that continues to happen. Now, we talked about Malachi, and if you remember what happened last time, uh, there's a couple of passages from, or one specifically from Malachi, And one from Isaiah that I'll talk about. You remember the words of the prophets. And Isaiah said, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So there's going to be somebody that comes someday that is out in the wilderness that prepares the way for God. And Malachi says later, and this is the last verse in the Old Testament. We read it last week. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. In other words, there's going to be somebody that comes that, again, turns people's hearts to God. And he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. And if you know the story of Elijah in the Old Testament, he was one of these guys that lived out in the woods or out in the wilderness and did not, he walked to a different drum. You know, he's a different dude. We all know those people that just don't really fit into society very well, but they're awesome that way, and only they can pull it off. That's Elijah, and that is John the Baptist later. And so what happens is in the first part of the book of Luke, in the, there's a, an angel appears to Zechariah. Now this is 400 years after Malachi has spoken And we used the adult class this morning talking about what happened in those 400 years, because there's a lot, and there's a few things I'll share with you. Alexander the Great comes through, conquers all that area, and says, wait a minute, we Greeks have everything together, and all of you guys don't know a thing about anything, and so what we're going to do is, whenever they conquered people, they left teachers behind to teach people the Greek language and how to act and look like a Greek. This is how you cut your hair, this is how the gods you worship, all that sort of thing. And so it happens during the time of Jesus, and this wasn't the case when Malachi was prophesying, but during the time of Jesus, most people will speak the Greek language. And there's a lot of Jewish people that worship God that they have forgotten the Hebrew or Aramaic and they are speaking Greek now. And that comes into play. So the world has changed a lot. Something else has happened is there has been a phenomenon that has popped up called synagogues. And so instead of people making all the long trek to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. They live thousands of miles away. They never returned when uh, some of the Israelites did. And they've settled in these places, whether it be Persia or around Babylon or whatever. And they're not coming back. And they speak Greek, and once in a while they'll make a trip back to Jerusalem. But instead of being connected to the temple, they're more connected to their local synagogue or their local house of prayer and the scribes and teachers that are involved there. And so it changes things a little bit. And not only that, but there's another uh, another bully in town. There's another big army that comes in in the times just before Jesus, the Romans. And they come in and they take over that area. And so during a brief after a brief time of uh independence for the Jews, they are again under the thumb of the Romans. And so Jesus, John the Baptist are born into this time. A lot has changed in the world. Just think about what has changed here since the 1600s in our nation. A lot. The same sort of transitions have happened in Jesus' day. And so there's this man named Zechariah who is too old to have children, but it says he is a faithful man of God, and he's a priest. And he is serving in the temple, and he goes there, and as he is serving, an angel appears to him and says, Hey, Zechariah, I got some news for you. You're going to have a child And some of the descriptive terms he uses is he says, he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what Malachi talked about. He's going to turn hearts, exactly what Malachi talked about, and he's going to prepare a way for the Lord. So this angel comes and basically quotes what we just read in Malachi. This is going to be your son, and he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And Zechariah wrestles with that. He says, how is that possible? It's not possible biologically. It's just not going to happen. And the angel says you're not going to speak until your child is born, and that's going to be a sign from God. And this child is born, and it's just a great celebration because it wasn't supposed to happen. And it's not the first time that God has allowed someone to have a child that should not have been able to biologically have a child. And we see that several times in the Old Testament. God blesses Zechariah and Elizabeth greatly. But that's not the only angel that is speaking at this point in time. In Matthew, we see that there's an angel appears to a man that we would have never known in history otherwise named joseph luke says an angel goes and speaks to his fiancee mary and this is what is said when we look at the old testament prophets we've got to remember what they say first says therefore the lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him emmanuel we'll talk about emmanuel here in just a minute But years later, Micah prophesies and says, "Bless, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now understand, there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies that refer to this Messiah or this Jesus that was going to come. And these are just two of them. But the words of the prophets are echoing in the lives of people there, thinking, this guy's going to come some point in time, this great king, and boy, we're praying for this king to come, this great ruler, because there's going to be great stuff that happens there. And so let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 1. We won't read Luke, but I put this this passage down there as well, so you can go ahead and look at it later. But if you look at Matthew chapter 1, I'll start reading in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now, that term Messiah is important because it covers a lot of different things, and there's several different descriptive names or terms that these angels reveal about this child that's going to be born. So pay attention. We'll, we'll pick them up here. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly." Now, think about that. This is a touch uncomfortable to to share. But Joseph's fiancé is pregnant, and he knows he didn't do it. That's what's happening here. Just imagine the discomfort. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angels share a few different descriptive terms here after they share the term Messiah. Now, Messiah and Christ are both... They both mean the same thing, just different languages. And what it means is one who is appointed or set apart for a special purpose. Now, to use examples that are familiar to us, that help us understand this concept, there's, we have various things that are set apart for a special purpose, right? I know that our kids, when, um, when, we, say, when we buy them soccer shoes, we say, these soccer shoes are set aside for a special purpose. Okay? You are not to run around in the house with them. Okay, you're only supposed to play soccer with them because they've got those cleats on the bottom and you leave marks all over the floor and tear up the floor. Don't run around inside of them. These are set apart. Okay, They're a special purpose. Uh, there's, any of you have your special cloth scissors? Those of you that do a lot of sewing? Okay. You have special cloth scissors? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, So what happens if you have your special cloth scissors and your husband takes them and he takes them out to the shop and he's using your special cloth scissors to cut something else. Is that a no-no? Yeah, that's a big fat no-no. That's bad. That that does not go well because those scissors are set apart for special purposes, right? So when someone in the Old Testament in Scripture was anointed, that means they were set apart for a special purpose. You see this happening to kings. You see this happening to, to prophets. You see it happening to priests people who are set aside for a special purpose. And so when these angels come and say, this child is going to be set apart for a special purpose, it means that this is not just any ordinary child that's going to live life, but God has a special, very, very important purpose for this child. And look at some of these descriptions that are given. One of the descriptions that is given here is that he will be king. In fact, you look at Luke When the angel is talking with Mary, it says, The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You don't get much more kingly language than that. Now, very specific. Now, for us here in the United States, this is hard for us to consider because we are a people that don't need no king, right? That's what we fought for more than 200 years ago because... The king of England had too much power, and we said, forget you. We don't need this. We're done. We're out. We're going to have a democracy, and we fought the British so that we wouldn't have to have a king, and so in Scripture, when we read that this is a king that's going to endure forever, maybe there's a disconnect in understanding some of what that means. It's tough for us because our society is based on not having to need one. We don't do that. We're not about that. So think about this. Kings, when they're doing what they're supposed to, are great providers. They help provide food. They help provide housing. They're great protectors. In times of war, they gather the troops so that armies don't come in and flood, flood our cities. But they provide protection during those times and also provide an aspect of spiritual leadership. I started tried to think about who is an example of a king whether it be a movie or history, that we would know, that we'd be familiar with, that we could say, okay, that's it. And it took me a while, and it took days for me to think of one. I'm scratching my head and thinking, well, hmm, no, no, not that one. Nope, definitely not that one. And I'm thinking over and over, and one hit me, and this is it. I think this works. The Lion King. Okay, there we are. No, not... (laughs) no. I mean The Lion King. How many of you have seen The Lion King? Okay, It's a great show. But you have this great, majestic lion that's all about doing good, that is very well respected, that doesn't steal, that doesn't have this sinful nature that comes out somehow when ultimate power corrupts ultimately. But The Lion King is a great example of this. And maybe there's, maybe there's a reason for that. Jesus is this great king that was going to come because these people... Jesus' day had never lived without a king somewhere. There was always a king. There was always somebody over him. And the angel comes and says, this king is going to be different. He's going to reign over all of Jacob's descendants or all of Israel. And he's going to be great. And he's going to be awesome. And this nation's going to be totally different than before. What they don't understand at this point in time, what they're thinking, like we would have, is physical king with boundaries and borders and all that kind of stuff that leads great armies. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to go beyond that and past all that, past all the surface stuff that we worry about in this life, and is going to go straight for people's hearts and establish a kingdom that expands beyond languages, beyond colors, beyond gender, all that kind of stuff, to say this is a spiritual kingdom that's going to touch the hearts, the things that are vitally important, the things that are most important. And that's what this kingdom is going to be about. Something beautiful here. Not only that, but he says this Messiah is going to be a great Savior. Now, all of us need saving at some point in time. Uh, maybe as we're great independent Montana people, we don't need anybody. You know, that's kind of how we roll. But I know that there was years ago where I was I was hunting and I shot this little bull elk way back. It was starting to get dark, and. I'm uh, starting to butcher this thing thinking I'm here by myself and there's a long way out and this is going to take days to get this thing out. And I turn around behind me and scares me to death, but here's this other guy standing there. And I remember him with a big smile on his face saying, hey, congratulations, can I help you? There's no way on earth I was going to say no at that point in time. <laughs> that guy helped save me. I was able to get out that night between the two of us butchered it out, got that out. I just loved being saved in that particular situation. I remember years ago I had the opportunity to take a class on to be a swift, swift water rescue technician. And you know how we're always told that if you see a bridge with water going around it where the the bridge abutments are, you don't jump in there. It's dangerous, all that. I spent three days jumping into those places and swimming out of them just to learn how to do it. And the whole idea was so that this whole, everybody that took this class could be qualified to be able to rescue people in dangerous water situations. Now, we all need saving at some point in time. Maybe it's not physically. Maybe it's just emotionally or spiritually or someone comes along right at the right time when we need it. We are down. We're disappointed and it's sad. And someone comes along, just sits down to, by us side by side, and says, hey, what can I do for you? I'm glad to be here. We all need saving at some point in time. But there is no one that has been able to save us from the deepest, darkest stuff in our life. The angel tells Mary, or tells Joseph, he says, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And there's a play on words here that we don't catch in English. But Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And so your child is going to be named Joshua. The Lord saves because He is going to save people from their what? Their sins. The deep, dark dysfunction that goes the opposite direction of what God's created us to be and what He wants us to be. Now, all of us, if we think for a second, we can look deep down inside our hearts and think, well, yeah, I've got that. I've got those sins. I've got those things that I, I, I do that are dark and destructive and are hurtful. To me, to the people around me, uh, those things that are the hardest to see are the things that are subtle, the things like hatred, the things like, like divisiveness, you know, all that kind of stuff that we, we see. It's, some of them are more are easier to spot than others. All that kind of stuff is is destructive, and we know we have it. And the reality is, is that we know that if we're honest with ourselves, that we're all part of the problem. <laughs> You know, someone else who may be able to, and this is our human defense mechanism, well, at least I'm not like that person over there, or at least I'm not like her over here. And our tendency is to see the world that way, when the reality is, is we all know that we're part of the problem. Every one of us has those shortcomings of sin. And through history, you see, as the Israelites go into slavery, as they come out of slavery and all of that, the issue of sin has never totally, completely been dealt with. Now, you got the example of God. you got God telling him, this is who I am. This is the laws that I want you to follow. But what do I do? How do I... What happens? It seems like we're, there's never this great transformation to be what we're supposed to be. Angel says, this child that's going to be born is going to save his people from their sins. And he's able to do that because he is called Emmanuel, which means God... With us Now, when you look at the first chapters of the book of John, something you see here, and I'll read this, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, this term here, and and I took Greek, I did well at it, and as soon as I finished it, I hardly looked at it again. Okay? There's a few people on the face of the earth that can read it and read it well and understand it, and they translate for us, and it's great. But this term here does help us understand something, because this is a term that was, has been around for forever, Logos, the idea. If you're talking to, excuse me, if you're talking to Jews, is the very words of God. You remember how the earth was created? God spoke, and the words came into being, or the, the earth came into being. The ancient Greek philosophers would talk about this great impersonal force that was there, the logos, or the word that all of life, it made all of life work. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan, this isn't exactly right, but it gets us close enough. The Force, that's the idea. Something similar to that. And so what happens is John, years later, after Jesus is taken up into heaven, he's one of Jesus' disciples that walked side by side with him, he shares this to help clear up some confusion about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, this great power, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Say it with me. The Word was God. And so Jesus himself, we'll see here in a minute, is God himself. That's what the... the, John is saying to us here. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the Word is this great light. He's part of God that created the world. He was there in the beginning. He wasn't created. He's existed beyond that. And you skip down to verse 14. It says, the Word became flesh. The Word became like us and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen the glory, His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Luke says it in a different way, as the angel is speaking: He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. Now I remember um, talking with when I lived in Italy with a, a gentleman from the Muslim faith, and uh, the idea that. God, creator, could become flesh and walk around like us was terribly offensive to him. And when I suggested that, you could see that it just made his skin crawl. He said, no, 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 that's impossible. Because what happens here on the earth is evil. God is great. God can't mix. Nope, impossible. End of discussion. We're not even going to talk about this. But what scripture says, and what Christians believe and understand from scripture, is that this God, this great God who created the world... Loved us so much. You remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That's the motivation. is That God, the Creator, became mankind just like you and me so that sin could genuinely be dealt with. Because for Christians, what we understand is flesh is not evil in and of itself. It's become corrupted. But we have this God that is that is willing to not just stand off to the side to say, oh, you guys are a mess, come on, we're crying out loud, why don't you guys get it together? Oh, man, I don't know why I did this. We don't have a God that's like that. We have a God that says, all right, I'm going to wait through history, I'm going to work through history over time, I'm going to send prophets, I'm going to keep calling people back, but there's going to be, as Galatians 4, 4 says, at the fullness of time, when things are just right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down there myself. Right in the middle of all this muck, right in the middle of all this disaster. And I'm going to get my hands dirty with people. And I'm going to show them. Not only that, but I'm going to become a sacrifice. I'm going to die for them. We're several weeks away from that yet. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'd like you to turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapters 5. The last verse of Second Corinthians chapter 5. Because these descriptions tell us something very, very powerful about Jesus. He's going to be a king. He's going to be a savior, the one that saves us. And he can do that. He can do all of that because he is God himself that is breaking into history right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so God sent Jesus, who is God himself, who had no sin, completely perfect, to break into our world so that we could, through his work, become the righteousness of God. In other words, become like we have never sinned. Wash us clean and pure. That's why the message of Jesus is called Good News, or the Gospel. It's because Jesus came, In all of our dirtiness and muck to wipe us and wash us clean. Now, all of that understanding is off in the future a bit here at this point in time. But we have Joseph and we have Mary that are two regular, ordinary, trying to be faithful. We would call them kids that these angels appear to and say, This child that's going to be born to you is amazing, this child is wonderful. And just wait for it because really amazing stuff is going to happen. And what God does is he reveals his plan that he's had for thousands and thousands of years, that he loves these people, you and I, so much that he's willing to come down here to be part of the solution himself. That's good news, and that's what we're going to talk about here the next little bit. Jesus didn't just fall down at heaven without context. He came... Because God himself said, I'm coming down there to be part of the solution myself. And that's something that's worth changing your life for. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, head to the back. Let's stand up and sing together.